fitness, nutrition, sleep, longevity, performance, fat loss, and all the keys to a life of health, happiness, and success. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host, and welcome to The Health Project. All right, welcome back. Episode 57 today of The Health Project, sitting up in the... Uh, Sitting up in the office, we've actually got a face-to-face guest, which I haven't had for a while. Um, Ben's a big, big guest. Last one, Prime Trainer, who's up in the Sunshine Coast, so that was over Zoom. But a lot of them have been done um, over over the internet, which is great, but it's always good when you get a chance to have one face-to-face. So I've um, I've brought along a very well-known physio in my local town here in Bendigo. He's a He's a well-known physio, but he's also a very good mate of mine. Um, and I'd say he's a good mate of mine for a lot of the wrong reasons. That's that's because I've sat on his uh, on his um, his patient's desk quite a lot because I've had quite a few injuries. But that's what we're sort of going to talk a lot about today, um, a lot about ACL rehab um, and, and all things to do with ACL, which those who follow me on the social media, it's, it's probably um, the biggest passion of mine with my latest injury and a lot of the um, social media that I now do is around ACL. So I thought I'll get the man um, who, who's well-documented that helped me throughout my um, throughout my latest setback and also just to get a bit of an idea of what it's like um, from a physio's point of view. So Jake Paul Pratt, Scotty Boots. Scooty Boots, Scotty? Scooty Boots. Scooty Boots. What did I say, Scotty? Yeah. Yeah, you don't know the story. No, nah, we won't go into that. It's probably not a health project. <laughs> but... Um, Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks for having me. No, it's um. First of all, obviously, thanks for as I just said there. You had a behind the scenes a massive part um, with my latest, obviously setback, which a lot of people are quite familiar with, mate. Um, but yeah, yeah, the work and dedication that you put in to, to sort of getting me to where I am today with the knee, mate. Um, Tats off to you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was um, I was fun. I think you enjoy that type of stuff as a physio, a bit of a, a new challenge or. Uh, particularly working with people that are, are going to put 110% into their rehab. Yeah. Makes my job easy. Well, let's talk about it, mate. ACL. Um, there could be a couple listening right now that they're thinking, what's an ACL? Uh, I haven't actually specifically, you know, I've done a lot of posts about this is what I'm doing for my ACL and all yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't feel I'm quite um, in the position to actually explain a little bit about, you know, what actually is an ACL and the structure that it holds within, within our knee and also body. Yeah, 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 so I suppose we've all got one. Well, not all of us. Um, I'm currently saying, Jake. <laughs> not all of us, um, but it's a ligament. It's a major ligament in your knee that prevents um, perhaps your tibia, which is your, your shin bone, moving forward over your femur. Mm-hmm. So it presents your, your tibia moving freely forward. So it gives you a lot of um, structural integrity of that knee joint and allows people to, well, generally speaking, allows people to play pivoting or change of direction sports with good, good structural integrity of their knee. Yeah. yeah, it was all on that. So obviously it's surrounding stability and so forth. Yep. Um, why is it such a big injury then? Because it's, it's you know, in the, the day and age, you hear of an ACL injury and ever your jaw just drops. Um, you think, oh, no, not an ACL. It's such a big, such a big thing to come, come um, to deal with. Sorry. Why, why is it such a big injury, do you think? Historically, where, where we've been as a, as a demographic, as a population all over the world, it, people do an ACL injury, you go see a surgeon, you get booked in, you have a reconstruction, you do the rehab, you wait for the graft to heal, you wait until you can return to normal, and then you get back into it. And mm. The risk of re-rupture is really high, mm. um, up to 50%. And that's just historically the path that we've gone in. So it's such a big injury because 
people have 12 months out mm -hmm. they, they don't return to sport for at least 12 months yeah. historically speaking so that, that that's what i was going to ask so that number there 12 month it's thrown around a lot when it comes to an acl injury yeah. in the rehab is yeah. that has that number purely become off the back of you know there's been good studies that are suggesting that that's sort of the time frame when one individual is feeling more confident the knees stable or you know why is it been because it's been a thing yeah. like when I did my first knee you know the first thing they said ah oh, 12 months second knee 12 months why specifically 12 months well it's not actually 12 months yeah yeah it's um it's nine months yeah until the the, the graft is remitted to the bone mm. so for that graft the the graph that they take whether it's a hamstring whether it's a synthetic graph whether it's your quad yeah takes 12 uh, nine months for that graph to knit back to the bone and be be strong and structurally sound yeah so technically before nine months mm. you wouldn't tell me under return to sport without being careless yep um but so it's nine months why the 12 months that's a good question mm. i'll kind of in clinic i, I won't post graph when anyone return to sport before nine months yeah but after nine months if they can click the, the meet the criteria to return to sport mm. then that's what we're that's what we're looking at and this is specifically following is it a reconstruction or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just following a reconstruction yep because we're yeah. going to go into both a little bit um, yeah both both options later on in the episode um another reason that i've got you on jake um you know obviously you get the physio point of view yeah um but i think it's and it was it was a big thing for me with my most recent knee um in messaging you because you've actually suffered you've had two day reconstructions yourself yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think that's a big thing um yeah. you know you've you, you've got that lived experience too yeah. um, and i think that, that's why i'm going to feed off this episode a little bit too because you know you see it on a clinical basis day to day but then you're also probably sitting in the back of your mind going yeah hang on i've dealt with that too um and it's one thing i'll probably say with my my industry too you know being a, a fitness trainer and so forth i think it's all well and good, you know, you read a bit of literature out there and you go, this is going to work. But until you actually sort of put yourself in that position, do a little bit of it yourself, you, you, you sort of don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. In our practitioner, they say that you should only base your clinical skills or your reasoning off 30% literature. Mm, so yep. it only makes up, you know, one third of your practice yep. in terms of the literature. And I, I feel like me having my, my knee injuries gives me a big passion to work with people that have had knee injuries yeah but also gives you an understanding yep. i feel like they've probably been oh, the two biggest things that have probably shaped my career yeah to be able to i suppose understand one what you're going through when you know that you've done an acl yeah and then two kind of understanding what you're thinking what you're feeling and how we're going to go about that in terms of getting you back to sport yeah because i think yeah, your psychological readiness is more important to me or your just as important as your physical readiness mm. so it's you kind of got to understand and feed that and i think if you can show your understanding and the patient or the client like yourself knows that you've been through it or not yeah. knows that you've been through it but knows that you genuinely understand mm. you're well on your way to helping that client be better and meet their goals especially with an acl as you yeah. said that uh, i found with myself um you know with the two-day reconstructions and then going down the route of a non-surgical approach um biggest challenges have been that sort of psychological side of it and um you know the mental battle it's yeah it, it is a big physical injury you know you've you completely shattered the ligament but um trying to rewire the brain you know little things like landing, <laughs> landing mechanics putting load through your knee and so forth again and yeah um it's it's probably one it would you i'd say my opinion um and you know my experience it's probably if not the most important part and one of the biggest challenges of an acl rehab yeah and i would say that if someone's uh, that's why you go through a, your gradual progression 
you know, to, you're not just training that physically, but you're also training that mentally to tick the box to say, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to mm. do that 50 times this week, jumping, landing, whatever it is. Mm. You're doing that repetitively. Yeah, it's giving you, you need confidence. We're getting your legs stronger. We're getting your, your plyometrics and your landing mechanics better. Yeah. But mentally what that's doing to you is also saying, hey, I can do this. It's that more muscle connection right. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Teach yourself. Because, yeah, yeah. it's funny, but teaching yourself, yeah, hang on, I can do this again. But you're confident when you're, you're jumping off a, a step on the ground and over three ladders. You're thinking, shit, yeah, my knee's starting to go, all right. Yeah. This is, I'm on the way up. Yeah. So that, you know, it's feeding into that psychological readiness as well. Yeah. Let's talk about the early stages then, Jakey. Um, early stages following an ACL injury. So, yeah. you know, someone weekend sport or, I'm just saying weekend sport because that would be the most common sort of um, scenarios where you see an ACL rupture, but I'm sure you've seen many, uh, many other examples. But, you know, some, someone's just suffered an ACL injury. What are the important things, first of all, um, that they can start to do in those early stages of an ACL rehab, regardless if they're going to get a recall or not? Yep. Um, what are some things we look for straight away? We want to try – we want to send for imaging straight away yep. to try and go get an MRI, yep. have a look at it, make sure that the knee is structurally sound. Yeah, in terms of any major meniscal tears in the other ligaments that may be does that does that interfere with the process much? Can yep, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Depending on the degree, if you've got major meniscal tears, yeah, they need to be operated on straight away. Yeah, um, or else you can do further damage to the meniscus, and that can be you know progress arthritis and can be pretty bad for the knee. Yeah, so you need to make sure there's you're not going to do further damage. Yeah, once you can clear that you can get into it based on the, the patient's presentation. So that early stage is you're trying to, uh, I suppose, decrease range mm. and return full range of motion. Yeah. So your basic knee flexion, knee extension, bending and straightening your knee. Mm. Um, your compression, your ice, your, you know, your hot and cold therapy, some yep. gentle work on the exercise bike. Mm. Um, and then we're looking to, to restore some, some normal muscle activation. Right. Your pain swelling in the early stages is going to cause your muscles to stop working. Mm. You get that inhibition of your muscles. So we want to try and restore some basic basic range of motion, some basic strength yeah. and some basic function. Right. So would it be fair to suggest that, let's say, um, you know, it's a clean, clean slate, rupture of the ACL, yeah. everything else attached, medial ligament, yeah. PCL, everything's intact. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would it be fair to suggest that, right, that's a great sign and then, you know, it's just a matter of doing what you said then. Let's get your swelling down. Let's start normal gait, you know, walking gait and start to get that range of motion again. On the flip side of that, you know, there's an ACL rupture, but then there's also a medial tear, lateral tear, whatever it might be. There's some other stuff going on. That's when it's going to be, hang on, we're going to be a little bit more cautious here. Yep. We might need to, you know, just push it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just hold it back a little bit depending on the patient's symptoms and depending on what else they've got on. Yeah. Absolutely. But if it's a straight ACL tear, yeah. Um, I'll be pretty aggressive with that early on. It's funny. In already. terms of trying to restore strength, range of motion, yeah. get in the gym, start lifting weights, load it up, mm. get on the exercise bike, walk, straight line run. Yeah. Do what you can. It's within reason. Yeah. But I'll be, I don't know, I feel like in my practice I'm pretty pretty aggressive to push the boundaries a little bit. Well, I think, and going back to what we said earlier, Jake, I think a big part of that is because two reasons. You've got a sporting background, so you know what it, you know the, the mind frame that, you know, mm. a lot of these individuals who come to you, they want to get back to sport. And yet you, you've been in that position too. And then also the fact that you've had two knee reconstructions too. So it's a little bit about, you sort of know where the, the mind frame is. And I think, and, and mate, I'm not saying this, I'm not just uh, pumping, pumping your ears up, but, Oh, it's the main reason I come to you straight after this knee injury. 
yeah. you know, there's some brilliant physios out there in Benio too, mate. Um, yeah. But this sort of lived experience that you've got with it, yeah. it's a draw card. Um, yeah. It really was. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think also knowing going through, probably actually going through it myself, you know that in that first four to six weeks, you want to try and get as much back as you possibly can because mm. it sets you up really well if either it's post-surgery mm. or conservative management with no, with no with no surgery. Yeah. That first four to six weeks can really set yourself up to have a, a quicker rehab approach. You, you regain everything quick. Yeah. And you kind of, it becomes not easy, but it becomes much easier. Yeah. It kind of gets a nice flow. You've got the really solid foundation to make a, a, a um, successful rehab approach. How important do you think that, um, so let's say someone, you know, you on the trajectory of a, a reconstruction, which mm-hmm. is that typical typical route that most people go. Um, mm-hmm. How important do you think prior prior to that reconstruction is? So the pre-op, I, um, you know, I've, got, I've, I've had friends who've, who've recently done their ACR and they're, you know, booked in for surgery. It might be two, three months' time. Um, I'm not going to put anyone on the bus. I've got two people that I'm thinking of. One of them sort of just sort of, saw it as you know an opportunity just to do nothing then just let the knee heal the other um got to a stage where they're actually starting to think hang on do i need a reconstruction um and i think that right there that probably stands out to me you know how how important it might be for that pre-op but just on the flip side um you know you end up getting the reco anyway do you think what you've done prior to that surgery will make a big difference yeah absolutely and there's really good evidence behind that now too yeah that the people who do they call it prehab now yeah pre-surgery they, they do your rehab pre-surgery um and no matter what injury it is yeah, yeah. no matter what whether it's a knee or it's a shoulder whether it's an ankle if you can get that joint and that the muscles and everything functioning you can restore some some normality around that joint mm. you're going to set yourself up much better for, for post-surgery yeah so yeah it's probably fair to say that the second obviously you want to you want to overcome a lot of the um it's a big challenge to you know big thing to take in once you've had that injury but you know once you sort of come to terms with it there's no yeah, reason yeah, why yeah. you shouldn't sort of start yet yeah stuck into it and, and whatever that is like if you're if that person or that individual's not ready for it straight away they yeah. need a little bit more time set them up with some gentle stuff some, yeah. maybe whether it's some gentle range of most stuff you can be a little bit more yeah gentle in your approach mm-hmm. but really you can you can be pretty aggressive with it and get into it as much as you kind of kind of want yeah all right let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the reconstruction then jake yep big big thing you've had two i've had two both of our brothers, um, Zach, what's he had one? Uh, he had two? No, he's had one. He's yeah. had one. Yeah, my older brother, Lockie. Big shout out to them. Huge, fans, <laughs> huge fans of the podcast. Um, so what's that? That's seven recos between us, mate. Um, yeah. Big, big thing to get a full name reconstruction. Um, it shouldn't be unrecognised how big of a thing it was. Mm. Oh, it is. Sorry, and. Again, it was a huge thing for me um, deciding to go with the route of a non-surgical for the latest latest knee injury because um, it is a big thing. So let's talk about, you know, first of all, graft choices. There's all sorts of choices out there. Um, again, I know this is probably, uh, uh, this is, a, you know, a question that it would be awesome to sort of sit down with the surgeon and so forth as well. But, you know, there's hamstring grafts, there's quadricep grafts, patella tendon. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the process of, you know, one, what a reconstruction involves and then going to those early stages following the reconstruction. What have you had? I've had, uh, so the left side, I've had a hamstring graft. Yeah. Uh, the young 13-year-old. And then the the right side, I had a quadricep graft, which is the one that ruptured. Mm. Uh, so the re-rupture was on that quadricep graft. Yeah. Which is interesting because if you had said to me, you know, four months ago, um, well, what one do I think is better? Miles 
would have said the quadricep graph. It's it was smooth sailing, um, yep. and then obviously you know, the fact that it's re-ruptured, it's probably changed my mind a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, still yeah. in saying that, I still um, I ha- I couldn't fault the quadricep graph at all. But it's interesting, yeah, um, and it's a big thing for a lot of people. I think um, it's going to come down to the conversation of the surgeon, the physio, but yep. that you know the graft that ends up being taken from the body because it's a big thing taking certain part of your body cut yeah, it out. Yeah. I found that being a big part of the rehab process as well. Yep. Just as hard sometimes, like mm. dealing with either the a hamstring graft, a quadriceps graft, a telegraph, that creates issues in itself. Mm. There's all you can use a synthetic graft, which is not commonly used because the evidence isn't there. They tend to break a little bit quicker. But is that the la- like the last? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um sometimes they use cadavers, which is someone who's passed away, they use their ligaments. Yeah them together and they'll use their hamstring graft or something like that that'd play them on a bit well. i reckon yeah, yeah pretty weird yeah um, yeah but historically a hamstring or a quads graft these days they've gone a little bit away from patellagraphs yeah like i said it's not my area of expertise but you commonly see hamstring of first choice mm. but i think it's probably a bit of an easier approach as well mm. probably easier to to um to get the graft off the hamstrings mm. um or you'll see a quadriceps graft they're kind of your two common graft sites which i've had a a hamstring and a quads graft as well yeah all on the same leg so they took mine so i've got a they've taken a hamstring graft taken a quads graft and that creates its issues within itself but historically your hamstring graft's good recently the recent research is that your quads graft may be a little stronger yeah um but yeah yeah much of a muchness so in terms of that process um because i know you know as a 13 year old when i was told i'm gonna have a hamstring graft and they're gonna cut out a bit of my hamstring the question I remember, um, I've got a bit more of an idea now. I remember thinking, well, does that technically mean I've torn my hammy? Um, and it's a question that people, I know a lot of people still ask and wonder, what does it actually mean to that specific area of the body? Um, and do, do, you rec- do you rehab that like you've, you know, pinged the hammy or pinged the quad or whatever? Or I you suppose know, if you were to go back and run and never really thought about it like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you're not really putting that hamstring in a position in those early stages to fully well that's right out. yeah you're, you're worried about the knees all your time yeah you're barely walking so therefore it doesn't affect you but i suppose if you were to go and run mm. i think you'd be very limited because that hamstring go i know post my city that, that hamstring graph would probably more painful than the knee yeah i remember just being on fire you try to walk around you try and activate that hamstring you try and do some range of motion your hamstring would would kill it's yep. like it was extremely painful um and even post surgery people struggle with that strength of their hamstring or quad or regaining that whether it's some people even have issues 18 to 24 months post mm. post surgical approach like post surgery which is a long time to be dealing with with issues you see people that just have whether it's that weakness whether it's pain whether it's reoccurring strains it's mm. a common issue as well so you know you have surgery you've, you've got an acl that takes nine months to, to knit you've got your quad, you've got your hamstring, whatever it is that's been taken that's severely limited as well. So by going in, you're creating other issues as well. Yeah, yeah, your hamstring, generally when they take the graph, that doesn't knit back. Mm. It may knit back a little bit, but you get a a laying down of some scar tissue. They've gone under the scalpel and taken that. So you get, you can, when people come in, you can often feel it's a bit um, calcified, a bit lumpy in that scar tissues. Right. Effect, it's going to affect your hamstring and quad. Have you found that in your practice a lot? That sort yeah. of, you know, that graph, you know, they might see naggy hamstring injuries or quad issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And, it, it'll, and sometimes it's not even when they're ready to return to sport, but it'll be 
six months later yeah when they get a bit slack with their rehab when they're just kind of thinking i'm going all right yeah i'm feeling good which is and easy to do yeah it sneaks up out of nowhere and kind of catches them off guard a little bit with the hamstring required or yeah. whatever it is yeah yeah yeah. it's, it's really important yeah staying on top of it and that's where we'll lead on to now a little bit jakey so you know what whatever graph choice they've had the rehab um it's going to be pretty similar yeah, from from um, my understanding anyway so yeah someone has the reconstruction you know early stages it's similar to what you spoke about you yep. guys get rid of some of this swelling gradually get a bit of range of motion you know start to wait there yeah get that walking gait as soon as you can tick all those boxes yeah um that's early stages that's self-explanatory from let's say again it's going to be different for everyone this next you know 12 month chapter yeah, yeah, yeah. but as a bit of a as a bit of a you know rule of thumb or you know guideline let's break down a little bit so those first couple months yeah um and we'll look at this from you know if someone's trying to get back to sport or yeah, yeah, yeah. or just trying to get back to you know normal day-to-day life yep um let's break it in those first couple of months yep those next sort of little middle chapter which for me personally two reconstructions i found that middle chapter the toughest yep you start to get it off i got a little bit slack you know you sort of lose a bit of motivation but then that last stage as well so if someone's trying to get back to sport let's yep. break it down um Post-surgery, you'll want to go and restore, restore your range of motion and get off the crutches as soon as you can, get out of that, get out of the brace, yep. whether that takes two weeks, some surgeon, depending on the surgeon, hmm. might take two weeks, might take four weeks, depending on what else has happened. But generally, get, get off the crutches, get out of the brace, get walking normally, hmm. get some light activation, get your quads, hamstrings, calf, working pro- glutes working properly, and then get your, your flexion and extension normalised. Yeah. Once we're happy with that, once you can functionally do some movements, I, I, I will really focus on in the early stages getting strong. Yeah, I think it just sets you up for a really easier rehabilitation process mm. in terms of you know starting to load up with some squats um, and starting with all kind of double leg exercises and progressing to single leg exercises. Mm. So we're starting to work on some some balance and plyometrics and um proprioception there yeah but really trying to get strong yep. get it get in the gym get strong and get into it three four times a week yeah oh, i'm not eager to get people back running mm. straight away yep. i think that's that's great if you can yeah but i would hold them off two to four weeks mm. to get them a little bit stronger in the gym and when you say two to four weeks from sort of typically that oh you know, yeah you're... three to four months you generally yep. people want to run yeah yeah but if they can't single leg squad if they can't do some really good single leg glute bridges mm. if they don't have some some decent landing mechanics i'll i won't i'll just tell them not to worry about it mm. and go work on either your strength your single yeah. leg balance um some landing mechanics and get them doing some basic stuff that you need to be able to do to run mm. so that they can run successfully or else you kind of wind up going around in circles a little bit People will start running and they'll get a flare-up of their patella tendon. The hamstring will start yeah. to get sore. The quad gets sore. And then it the just becomes a bit messy. Mm. People get frustrated. You as a physio think, what am I doing wrong? But you know very well, they just need to get a little bit stronger. Yeah. And because it's a fair bit of trauma that goes through a knee reconstruction. Think yeah. about the, you know, the bone's got to heal, the, the graft's got to heal. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's had a fair bit of trauma. Yeah. And if you think about you know, what actually goes on, three months realistically, that's that's not long following no, what's happened to it. Yeah. Um, but you're right, everyone, you know, it's the first thing you think of, oh, when, when can I get back running? Yeah. So get strong, get everything activated, yeah. tick all the right boxes, get a solid base and pass some of those tests that you said. Yeah, you should be yeah, able yeah. to spot. Single, single leg, leg squat. squat. Yeah. yeah, you're looking to do probably, if you can do, they say you should go do six to eight single leg squats. Yeah. 
you're trying Realistically to trying a bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and good single leg squats, not just single leg squatting. Yeah. You know, just making sure you've got really good form. You're not going to kind of tick someone off if they're doing yep. a bit of an ordinary job. Um, once you're happy with that, you can commence some straight line running yep. and start some more plyometric stuff. So some, some jumping, some landing, mm. um, some hopping, some skipping and getting people nice and soft on their feet. Yep. Getting them really soft. Um, and that probably, that's probably going to take three months. Yep. And then you can start, see, we're looking at, well, that stage is six to, to eight months. Mm. And then we're looking at a two to three months of some running, some change of direction, mm. um, and then getting ready for some return to play type stuff. Where I'm going to jump in here, Jakey, um, and sort of just have a little bit of my input is, well, I say if anyone's listening to this right now, who I know there'll be a few that, you know, have just had an ACL reconstruction. Mm. I get quite a few messages through the Instagram. Um, yeah. There will be quite a few people listening, um, and we've sort of, what you've mapped out there is a little bit of a sort of, you know, here's a bit of a step-by-step. Step. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. really important, I think, though, is that it's certainly going to be individualised. Yeah, um, everyone's different. Everyone's going to be different. There's going to be sort of a little hiccup. It's, as as you've already stated, what's, what goes on with the reconstruction, it's a bloody huge thing. Yep. You might um, you might be slightly ahead of the eight ball or you're behind, but don't sort of get too, you know, dwelled up. Just sort of take each each, each little hurdle as it comes. Yep. Um, so if you're sitting here and, and you're thinking, oh, Jake said I should be, you know, doing, doing single leg squats yeah. or looking at running or doing a straight line at four months and you're not quite there, that's fine. And that's um, where you do need professional help as yeah, well. It's yeah. a very, oh, yeah, there's a reason why people out there are PTs, are yeah. physios, exercise physiologists, whatever it is, whoever you're seeking help from. Yeah. They need to be able to guide you through that rehabilitation process because everyone is different. Yeah. And like I saw a lady recently who was a second ACL Rico. Yeah. And went over the notes from her from her first one. Yeah. A few years ago, I thought, oh, I just have a look at what I did, seeing how much I'd kind of changed my thought process. Yeah. Completely different yeah, yeah. in terms of exercises and what we're doing. I won't say completely different. Like the principles were the same. Yeah. But just based on her presentation and her weaknesses and her defaults. Mm. We changed it because it needed to change to suit her at that time. Yeah. It's very individually driven, not, you know, it'd be easy just to give everyone a handout. Handout paper, yeah. But, yeah. but you're not really doing your job. No. You're kind of taking the piss a little bit. Yeah, that's right, 100%. The other thing that I'll quickly touch on, so yeah, you obviously spoke about straight line running. Yep. You specifically said straight line. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that because my understanding, that's going to be because, you know, the structure of an ACL technically is that stability and sideways movement. Yeah. Um, so is that why, you know, just returning gradually into those sideways stuff, it's just a real gradual step-by-step process? It is. And you start, you know, straight line running mainly because at this stage, the, the patient's not going to have the strength to balance the proprioception of the landing mechanics. Yeah. And that control to start doing any sideways movement. Yeah. At that stage, after the first six weeks or might even be three months, I, the graft is at the weakest point. Mm. So that graft is at the weakest point when you start the run. Yep. But just to do with the, the, the graft knitting to the bone, yeah. it's at its weakest point. So you want to be a little bit interesting. You want yep. to protect that as well. Mm. Um, you don't want to do too much that they're not ready for. Mm. You want to make sure the, the client's ready. It's in, I was just going to jump in, Jake. It's funny because, you know, I saw Julian Fowler, um following my second knee reconstruction. He literally said to me, I was like, oh, sort of, you know, how careful are I going to be? And he literally said, those first three weeks, you won't, you won't tear it. He said you can bloody almost do whatever you want. He said you so strong, but he said yeah, exactly that. That three month mark, three month to six month mark. He said yeah. that's where he's saying it's still like it's probably still quite strong where it is, especially if you're doing the right things. But it's that time period 
that he yeah. said when things might start to happen a little bit. So I guess that's why it's important, as you said, don't just get straight into running if you're not quite there. No. Why do it if you know, especially why that slight risk is cranked up a little bit. And you're not wasting your time. Why yeah. go have surgery and then come back early and yeah. and blow it again? Yeah. A bit of a well, yeah. that's true. All right, so we're getting towards the end of that middle stage. So we've done yeah. got that core strength back. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a process. It might take three, four, might take up to six months. Yep. Um, you know, and then we start to continue on with a lot of strength stuff. So yep. I think that's important when you say Absolutely. That, even when you get back to, you know, back to high-level sport or yep. day-to-day life, yep. continue it going. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To reduce one further knee injuries and yep. further injuries in general. And strength. you always see people get it's when they get complacent. Yeah, they end up back in there. They stopped doing their strength or they stopped doing some basic rehab stuff that they they were doing so regularly. Yeah, they take that away. They get back in the sport. They're, they're training twice a week and playing on the weekend. They might sneak in one gym session, but yep. they're not doing any structured rehab or any prehab you would call it at that stage mm. to prevent any further injuries. And that's when you see a lot of yeah, a lot of injuries, a lot of people representing. I think the fittest and the strongest you you ever are is during your your high stages of rehab. Yeah, I reckon that's when you're in you know peak. You're lot you're less likely to do a soft tissue. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're dedicated purely to strength, moving right. You just want to tick every box. Yep. And I think I know my the way I train now is completely different yep. purely off the back of this latest injury because you know it was it was two years ago. Me getting in the gym was oh, I just want to look shredded. You know yeah. what I mean? I want to. Yeah, it's strength. Yeah. It's it is strength training. Yeah. But it's a lot different now. Um. You know, throughout the week, I wasn't doing any proprioception. I was still doing like glute works, back yeah. squats, stuff like that. Whereas I know now, even though I'm four games back playing with no ACL, yeah. Throughout the week, I'm still doing pretty much typically what I was doing in my rehab. So all the yeah. single leg leaning mechanics. Um. Because I know exactly what you said. It's all it takes is one little slight hit yeah. up, setback, or for me to, you know, just be up unconscious about thinking about how I'm sort of leaning or whatever. That's yeah, all it takes yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yep. Um, so so it's important. I went on a little bit of a rabble there. So, you know, then we, we get towards that end of the middle stage. You start thinking about you have clients, you start thinking about return to sport. What are these guidelines? What do you want to see to tick off? Um, yeah. When, when are you sort of starting to give them an idea that they might be right to get back to sport? Uh, before that nine month mark, mm-hmm. and I want to see at least a six block of, of training. Yeah. And they want to meet, they want to be within 10% on a, a structure of tests that we do. I think when we had Jim, we went through some triple hop, hop tests, yep. some single leg hop tests, um, some, some crossover hop tests, went over some landing and jumping mechanics. Yep. Um, you've ticked off all your strength tests earlier. We, mm-hmm. we had a look at, yeah, with you, we had a look at your hamstring with no graft. Yeah. Because that was really important. We got you on the, the Nord board there to have a look at your actual, how much force you can put through your, your hamstrings, which was, you know, so you're trying to tick off all these things in mm. terms of to show that they've got the strength, the power, the endurance um, to return to sport, and it's equal to the the unaffected side. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big thing, is it? You want to be within that. Was there a threshold? Within ten percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. say within ten percent is normal. Yeah, yeah. So and that's probably you're probably going to be massive differences, which is probably going to be there even if you haven't had a knee injury. Exactly. On one yeah. side, you're not. No one's. Yeah, you're that's not right. going to have both sides the same, but if you're within ten percent, yeah, you're safe to go. Mm. I like them a little bit closer than ten percent. If we're doing some hop tests or some triple hop tests, yeah, you can generally tell if someone's right though mm. by watching them do it, and they'll probably, and their confidence, their they'll do it their landing, yeah, the way they move, you can generally tell if someone's right to go. Yeah, you know if they're not. 
it's mm. particularly after you know, seeing a few and doing it, you can kind of take one look at someone doing one test and you're like, oh, you got, right, yeah. you got a bit of work to do. Or, or they're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. no, nah, you're sweet. Let's yeah. get into it. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll finish on that, Jake. So we've gone through. That's a bit of a, as we said, it's it's a bit of a guideline breaking it down, but it's going to be very individual, case yeah. by case. Um, let's go to the flip side, which the last four months for me yeah. uh, has caused a bit of a stir. Still does to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I still get you know messages or people going, yeah, it, it, it's a head scratcher. So for those that aren't aware, um, you know, round one this year, my sport suffered an injury, ACL, third time, complete rupture. Um, I, I, I looked into, you know, about two years ago after the second one, I looked into a little bit of literature on going non-surgical, but it didn't really cross my mind. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I saw bits and pieces and I know I heard bits and pieces about people coming back for one game, but then they're going to retire anyway. Yeah. But for me, um, after this one, I was, you know, I was 23 years old. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about getting back for one or two games. I'm thinking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I want to, I, my profession too. I, yeah. I want a proper knee and so forth. So it was when I, it was when you reached out to me that really started to tinker over in mind. You gave me a look and you sort of said, "What do you?" No, you said, you sent me a text, sir, and you just sort of said, "What are, what are your thoughts about non-surgical?" And I, I'm, <laughs> I was, I was sitting at sitting at home that night going, oh, "Nah, I'm getting a rico. Like, yeah, it's just I want me day, I want me day good." Um, and then I woke up the next day and it, it must have been in my mind all night because I, I started to tinker around with a bit of it, and then. You know, we flicked each other back and forth a bit of literature um, and we just had more conversations. And, you know, within a couple of days, we were just going to go for it. The, in my mindset at the time was, right, I've had too many reconstructions. Um, I felt as if I had nothing to lose. If it didn't work, well, good. I'd go get a reconstruction four or five months' time. But I thought, there's nothing to lose here. It's not like it's the first one. Um, I'm going into and, – and I saw it as a really good opportunity just to, you know, to – Grab that literature. That there's bits and pieces out there, and say, "Oh, hang on, is it? You know, what what's real, what's not and real?" There's not a great body of literature out there. There's yeah. not a great body of evidence behind it at the moment because it's fairly foreign to people. Yeah, it's not something that's done readily. Yeah, there's been a couple of NRL players, a couple of EPL um, soccer league players that have got back within twelve weeks to play in mm. EPL soccer, which is crazy. Yeah, but there's a they're starting to get a little bit more. I'd love to see what I would love to see. And what I, I reckon in 10 years' time, yeah, I reckon it'd be 50 50. It's a question I was going to ask you. Surgery or not? Are you thinking it's, yeah. I know a lot of people, there are conversations I have with physios, or not even physios, but you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm just a big sucker for the health and fitness. I listen to podcasts daily. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing it a little bit because I started to listen to ACL podcasts and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing it a little bit that, yeah. you know, they're starting to think, you know, hang on, maybe 10 years, who knows, maybe it won't be a thing. Do you think 10 to 15? Yeah. I reckon that, that it won't be just like it historically has been where you do you go, ACL, yep. you go get surgery and you get on with it. Yeah. It's becoming a little bit of a thing generally in your older population. Yeah. If you get someone who's the end of their footy career or who has done it in day-to-day life, mm. it's like, well, what do you need the ACL for? Yeah. Why do you need to return to, to high-level sport or pivoting or twisting? You can probably live your life without one. Mm. So let's give it a crack. And if you're no good, you can go get surgery. And that's kind of what... We floated, you know, that's what we kind of decided at the end. It was, if you can, if we give it a crack, we, mm. we tried this non-surgical approach for four months. I think we said three to six or I can't remember what we said. It's three to four months, but let's give it a crack and see where we're at in three months. It was funny. I said about six in my mind. You go, no, nah, I know you. We'll probably do it about three or four. I said three. I said <laughs> yeah. 12 weeks to but start with. It was, uh, and you laughed at me. 
I did laugh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And for right. those that are tuning in, yeah, it was 12 weeks. It was 12 weeks today. Yeah, yeah. No, it was 12 weeks that I got that score. Yeah, yeah, that I know. First that's... game, yeah. So, yeah, so we went with that. We, we, we um, That's the trajectory we went. So we went non-surgical, um, diligent rehab. It was, and, and that's where we'll quickly go into a little bit now. So we're pretty, we're very structured though with the way we went about it. It was, yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, um, just go off and run and trial and error. It was. It was a bit like what you said because um, I felt honestly. Besides, so it was a little bit different. There was a bit of a there was a tibial plateau fracture, which was caused by all the impact and so yep. forth. So we had to be a little bit careful with the the running and so forth. But I honestly felt like and the medial ligament, like the yep. grade two medial ligament strain, probably we just had to be a little bit cautious there for the first four to six weeks. Yeah, because that was probably a little bit more problematic. Yep. than the, the tibial plateau fracture. Like that was that was there, but. In terms of your symptoms, you're pretty good. Well, that's what I was going to say. I honestly funny. felt, you know, within after about three or four weeks, I could be back running. Yeah. And we sort of, I remember a bit what we said before about, you know, holding back on that running. We sort of looked at it, oh, not looked at each other. We had that conversation. Hang on. the most. Let's just get really, really strong first. And then we hit the ground running. We're not going back to, oh, I need to go back for another two, three weeks to do some more strength work. We're right to go. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we've got that pull base. that four-week mark, I reckon. I said, no, nah, start loading it up. Yeah. I said, just chuck the weights on it, load yeah. it up. I reckon he looked at me a bit like, can't do that yet. Because <laughs> it was new territory for me too. Yeah, yeah, It was, yeah. Um, I, I remember just sitting there thinking, I've got a fraction of your leg. I've got no ACL. I'm about to go do 80 kilo squats. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, what I need, I know. But that was based on the way you were presenting. Yeah. yeah, we're not based on a textbook or based it on what we should be doing. It was based on hang on. Yeah, you've got full range. You've got just about no swelling in your knee. You're doing basic strength stuff with no issues. Let's yeah. progress you along. Let's get nice and strong, and then we can progress after that. Yeah. So I've documented my journey, Jake, um, from you know that day working with you, diligent, um, and I'll say this to people all the time because I know a lot of people now say to me, "Oh, hang on, we'll." Maybe you don't need them, and it's it's obviously doable and so forth. And I I, I look at that with two two sides of the story. One, yeah, it, it's clearly doable. But two, um, you and I both know the amount of work and dedication um, that is certainly required. One, following the ACL injury itself, but especially mm. if you're going to go non-surgical, because I know there was you know countless. Uh, I put in more work than I certainly did following having a reconstruction. Um, what I want to ask you is that exact question. Do you think it is feasible for, for most people? Um, you know, obviously, yeah, that, that, that's a burning question that it's playing on a lot. It's playing on me. Yeah. How feasible it is as an option. To, to, let's, we're, we're talking purely returning to sport with no ACL. So we've yeah. both said, you know, it, it probably is realistic if you want to just get back to day-to-day life. You know, you still do your strength stuff, but you can still go and do day-to-day life. But, we're looking at it from an athletic point of view. Athletes return to sport, no ACL. It's a good question. Mm. It's a really good question. Um, I'd love to see in the next few years. Mm. Oh, this sounds bad. I'd love to see someone do an ACL, but I'd love to see someone from the AFL. Yep. Do an ACL. Yep. Three months out from the grand final, be close to their last in the last couple of years, and think I need to give this a bit of a crack. Yeah. And get back to playing. AFL. I yeah. think it would change the way that everyone thinks and everyone sees it. Yeah, yeah. Until you see someone that's high profile that does it within that setting. Yeah. I think we'll kind of go around in a circle for a few years with yeah, yeah. a surgical approach. Yeah. Is it feasible? No, not for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's not because people aren't going to 
put the time and rehab in and do put the amount of work and the body, the pure body of work that that you put in. Mm. Like I we had that chat and you were doing I said, well let's get in three strength sessions, three plyometric sessions a week. Let's aim for six sessions a week and mm. try getting you that was before we were running, I think. You're yeah. like, I, you're like, oh you said, I'll do the strength in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I'll do the plyometrics in the after afternoon and I'll, I'll ride the bike in between. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, <laughs> right, <laughs> let's <laughs> give it a crack. So there you go. I was like, oh, I'm not going to say no. It's, I don't think that'll really work. You'd be too sore and you probably blow up, but yeah. give it a go. Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 the people probably don't have the time if they're at work. And that's what I was going to say. I've had the conversations. I'm very fortunate, um, you know, with my industry where I'm at in the health project. Yeah. I'm, we're currently sitting in a, you know, in an office, Jake, but it's a gym. So yeah. I, was, I was doing stuff like this, but then I was, you know, spend the next half an hour doing plyometrics, landing and so forth. So if and if I was to, you know, my older brother, if he's to do his third, and then I'm to tell him, right, this is what I did. You got you, you can get back in three months. He, he's working nine to five in an office, and he's got commitments outside of that. You know, it's you got to play all the lifestyle stuff into it too. I think a little absolutely, bit. absolutely, because it's you're not going to kind of people aren't going to give that up completely. Yeah, um, give up their lifestyle or change what they're doing completely yeah they might dedicate dedicate a little bit more time but to put the body of work that needs to be put in mm. and, and maybe you would change your timeline a little bit yeah you know you might look at four to six months instead of three to four months like we did with yourself you might push that timeline back a little bit and give yeah. them a little bit more time to build that up mm-hmm. um but look at it, it i had a a young kid that did his not long ago, like him, and he was. We got him back within, and that took about twelve months yeah. to get him back to playing sport, mm-hmm. just because he was a bit younger, wasn't really dedicated to his rehab, yeah, and we were closely with his parents to to get it done, but it just took time, yeah. And he's still playing sport, footy and basketball and stuff with no ACL, and he's it's been two or three years now since we did that, so it's 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 interesting. Is it feasible? I think so. Yeah. I think we just need kind of people's mindset to change a little bit. Yeah. And it makes you think like you're functioning at a, a high level mm-hmm. at the moment with no ACL. Like it kind of leaves the question. I, mean, I don't know. I probably should know, but do do we need an ACL? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. That I think that's a good point about the AFL scenario you said or, you know, high professional sport because – when we're talking about that feasibility, you know, I was dedicating this time um, and all this work, and I, I was I was a freak with it all. Like I was obsessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's to say that you know an AFL player instead of professional or an NBA player? They should be able to do it. They can dedicate millions of time, more time than I certainly was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're getting paid big dollars. And they're getting paid it. big bucks for it, so they're they're all ticking away laughing. I'm, I'm doing it for bloody yeah, like get back to play country footy, get a final game. But you know they're. They're the certain candidates that do have all this time. Um, and but you're right. Without who's going to have who's the courage? Gonna, who's going to do it? Yeah, you know, is it who's going to have? Is the it going to take the big king Le- LeBron James to win a championship to do it? No ACL, and then people yeah. start going, "Hang on, maybe you don't need him." Next person who doesn't do their ACL, I mean, doesn't go with a Rico. It starts, but but even the awareness that like you, you're doing, you got your, the health project and the podcast, and hmm. you know, followers on Instagram, and it starts to. It just gets the conversation out there. It's it kind of there. changes the the way that people think a little bit because mm. it's just people, we're, we're all oh, humans are sheep. But yeah. We're all just like, we follow what's been done in the past and everyone's too scared to do anything out of the norm. So when people start to change the norm, that's when you get changed or, or question the norm, I should say. I believe big, big in outliers, Jakey. Outliers, yeah. that word there is for a reason. That's mm. because, you know, 
stuff has, has happened outside of the norm. Um, and it was, I wrote it down on a piece of paper after this, or when I sort of decided to go with this trajectory, yeah. I made sure, well, not made sure, but I was actually honestly happy that there was no one that I knew that had actually done this or Bendigo or, mm. you know, I, I didn't know many people. I knew a couple of old fellas who had said, oh, yeah, I don't have an ACL, but they didn't try to get back and play it. They might have played retired. one or two, yeah, retired straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I said, no, nah, I want to actually, I want to be a better footballer and, than it was and blah, 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 yep. throwing all this. And the, you need, you sort of need, um, yeah, people sort of experiment this stuff. Yeah. So it's, it is out there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we could be having this conversation for another 10 years, Jakey. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not people are going to have a recall or whatever. But bloody brilliant chatting with you, my man. Um, I wanted to take me out of to you. Um, you know, I was obviously quite public about all the work I was doing with my rehab and that. Um, but the, the amount of um, credit I owe you, mate, the amount of work you put into me and sort of, you know, we we'll, were we'll having constant chats. It wasn't just me coming to your physio office. It was text messages. We were chatting about it, mate. Um, and, and I owe you a massive a big thanks. Um, I'm looking forward to sort a few of few late-night conversations on the phone. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I'd bring that after a footy training. I'd hang on, just tweak my knee a little bit. <laughs> that did happen, actually. That did. <laughs> that was about the only hiccup we had. It was pretty good, yeah. Uh, no, you did well. It's credit to yourself, mate, to really put the body to work and get back within... 10 weeks, 12 weeks, takes a fair bit of, a lot of dedication. So you, you did well. Thanks for, thanks for jumping on, mate. It's been, it's been bloody good. Good chat. Thanks for having me. I think-